Welcome to Seven Mile Ministry. We hope you enjoy this message. Well, good morning. I think I'm going to use this handheld this morning. I feel like preaching. And if you come here often, you know it's like 70-30, 70 teach, 30 preach, but I'm feeling like 99 and 1. Preach, teach. But I do feel an anointing like I haven't felt in months, to be honest with you. And as soon as they started singing, I mean the first words, it came, it came on me. I don't know if it came on y'all, if y'all felt it, but I feel it, and it feels good. It feels real good. We left off last week in Mark, the fourth chapter. We we're talking about the parable of the sower. And at the very end, we talked about Jesus. He wasn't buried. He was planted. He was resurrected. And there was a harvest. He was the firstborn of many brethren. And today we're going to be there at the end of Mark 4 and also in Mark 5. And just because it's chapter and verse, that's just for you and me to keep up with it. It would be hard to turn to Scripture and follow along if there wasn't chapter and verse, but when they're writing, it's not in chapter and verse. You understand? Translators put it in chapter and verse for, for you and me. Amen? So in Mark chapter 5, and I'm just going to talk about the end of it because I didn't give those Scriptures to them. But there's a woman there with the issue of blood. There's also a man there named Jairus. Now, if you're from Alabama, you call him Jairus. First name J, last name Iris, but it's not, it's Jairus. His name's Jairus. And Jesus is there, and Jairus needs him. He says, hey, Jesus, I need you to come to my house. My little girl, she's sick and she's dying, and I need you, and I need you right now. That was priority. And what the Lord was woke me up this morning at 3 o'clock. I've been up since 3 o'clock. He showed me some things in Scripture, and I've seen myself in some Scriptures that I've never seen before, but just reordering our priorities and showing us what's really priority in your life because you can't be everything to everybody. I can't be everything to everybody, but I do have priority, which is why I got myself out of the bed and I went into my kitchen for about three and a half or four hours before anybody else woke up because I wanted to hear what the Lord had to say so I could bring it to you today because you are a priority in my life. But I can't be everything to everybody. I also have a wife and four kids and their priority as well. And if I were to, I'm not going to say drop dead, but if, if, if I was just had a private uh, burial between me and the Lord, and I just vanished. That sounds more cool. Mark, Mark would be up here preaching to you next Sunday. You, we would keep going, but I wouldn't be at my son's ball game, and I wouldn't be at my son's motorcycle race, and I wouldn't be on the couch letting my daughter, who's in nursing school, practice on my arm. And I wouldn't be in the bed at night talking to my wife about all the things we've been through and all the things that the Lord's brought us through in, in our future. I wouldn't. In other words, there's got to be priority. Just because somebody else hasn't made preparations and now they have a, an emergency, that shouldn't become priority in your life. You understand? And Mark shows us the priority of Jesus and he shows us the power and authority. And I'm going to show it to you. But he has priority. Jairus comes and says, I need you and I need you now. He's on his way to his house to heal his daughter who's about to die. She's just moments from death, minutes from death, hours from death. I don't know the exact time, but it's, it's urgent. And he's somebody. He's an important person. He's not a nobody. He is a somebody. And then all of a sudden this woman, who in the eyes of society is a nobody, 
She's nobody. She's been sick and bleeding for 12 years. In fact, she's an outcast. She shouldn't even be out here mingling with the crowd because she's unclean. But she comes up and grabs the hem of Jesus' garment. And Jesus turns around, stops, and discusses and talks to her about it. And he says, your faith, it's your faith that's made you whole. Anyway, he's talking to her. And so that takes time. So now, by the time he does make it to Jairus' house, they say there's no need in troubling the teacher anymore because she's dead. Don't you know people were thinking, if he hadn't stopped wasting time on that nobody, but see, that nobody was a somebody. And who society says that's a nobody, and culture says that's a nobody, God says no. Jesus said no, that's a very valuable somebody. Yeah, maybe she's made some mistakes. Maybe he's made some mistakes. Maybe you and I have made some mistakes. But that doesn't make us any less valuable. We're just as valuable. I'm just as valuable as you. You're just as valuable as me. We're just as valuable as Peter, Paul, James, John, Billy Graham, whoever you want to name. We're all valuable. But see, they have priorities. And see, what I want you to see there and what the Lord is showing us is maybe our priorities and His priorities aren't exactly the same. And sometimes He'll let you go through things a little longer than you really wanted to go through just so that He could redirect your priorities. Because see, by the time He got there, He was able to work a way bigger miracle. Do you understand? A way bigger miracle a way bigger miracle. Raising somebody from the dead is a way bigger miracle. He's showing His power and He's showing His authority without having to say, hey, I'm in control here. Because if you have to announce, hey, I'm in control, I'm in charge, you don't really have control and you're not really in charge. I don't have to tell my kids at home, hey boys, uh, I got the authority here. They know I do. If they ever challenge it, They'll get choke slammed. <laughs> but they don't challenge it. It's because they love and respect me. And I have authority in my home. Not as a dictator, but as a man of God. Praise the Lord. So, let's back up to Mark, the fourth chapter. The end of Mark 4. Because you can't really go into Mark 5 until you read the end of Mark 4, because you don't really understand it. See, there's three different stories here, and I'm going to wrap them all together in one, and hopefully in a quick, quick as possible. But you've got to go to the end of Mark 4 before you can understand the beginning of Mark 5. It says on the same day, what day? The same day he was giving the parables and teaching the parables. When evening had come, he said to them, let's cross over to the other side. Let's cross over to the other side. And when they had left the multitude, they took him along in the boat as he was. And other little boats were also with him. And a great windstorm arose, and the waves beat into the boat, so that it was already filling up. But he was in the stern, asleep on a pillow. And they awoke him, and they said, Teacher, don't you even care? We're out here, we're fixing to drown, we're perishing, we're dying. Then he arose, he rebuked the wind, the sea, he said, Peace be still, and the wind ceased, and there was a great calm. And he said to them, Why are you so fearful? How is it that you have no faith? Where'd your faith go? I mean, what happened? And they feared, and exceeding, uh, and they feared exceedingly and said to one another, 
Who can this be that even the wind and the sea obey him? But I want you to see here in the very beginning when we first start reading, he says, let us cross over to the other side. Let us cross over to the other side. There's not a why. They just said what? What you want us to do? Get in the boat, we're crossing over the other side. Then they get in the boat and they're crossing over to the other side. There wasn't a why associated with it. But you and I, we want to know why. Why, God? Why you want me to do that? Why, why, why? Sounds like a bunch of kids asking their parents why. We do God the same way. That's not obedience. That's not faith. Faith is, I don't need to know why. Just let me know what. Let me know what boat to get in, what road to walk down, who to give money to, when to say it, when to shut it up. I just need to know what. And these guys go through a storm, a heck of a storm. Has anybody in here ever been through a storm? I'm not talking about rain and wind. I'm not talking about a storm like we recently had here. I'm talking about a storm in your life. You don't have to be a meteorologist to know if you've been through a storm or not. Some people have been through them. Some people are going through them. And I can guarantee you everybody in here is going to go through another one. Because storms come. Satan's real. He's seeking whom he may devour. He's a thief. He comes to kill, steal, and destroy. Every day, roaming around, looking. But they said, go to the other side. Not why, but just what. And can you do that? Can I do that? Can we just jump in the boat without knowing why? Follow me. I don't know where we're going, but I'm following you, Jesus. Amen. Changing values, when you change your values and you change your priorities, I see a group of men here, a group of disciples here whose values and priorities are changing because they don't need to know why anymore. They just need to know what. And they're following Jesus and they're doing what He says. And any time that your priorities change and any time your values change, there's going to be a conflict. There's going to be adversity. Satan's going to try to stop you from going to the other side every time. There's going to be a storm. Amen? He's not going to let you leave Jesus. Uh, he's not going to let you leave out of Egypt without sending some chariots to chase you down. He's not going to do it. After he's had you in a stronghold and in bondage all that, those years, he's just not going to turn you loose that easy. He's going to sit in a storm to try to keep you from going to the other side. And this storm's raging. And I don't think it's raging because uh, a lot of times the storm's raging in your life. It's not because we're like Jonah and we're running away from the storm. But you're being faithful and obedient and you're following Jesus. Satan doesn't want you to do that. Satan doesn't want you to be the man he's called you to be, the woman he's called you to be, the, the, the young man or young woman he's called you to be, to fulfill the calling on his life, the plan, the purpose he has for you. He doesn't want you to get into a church and get rooted and grounded and hear the Word of God. He doesn't want you to have a good marriage. And you raise your children up knowing the Lord. He doesn't want your house to serve Him. He's going to cause storms. He's going to send storms your way. Amen. I don't know. Hey, I don't know why I woke up excited this morning. I don't know why I'm excited now, but I am. And I feel, I do know why. I just don't know who. Because it's for somebody. Somebody came today at a specific time. This day was planned, but when you were in your mother's womb, I'm telling you. It's not happenstance. There's no such thing as coincidence. Read the Bible. The word is not even in there. Praise the Lord. And maybe you're in a storm. Maybe you're in a storm and you just need somebody right now to tell you you're going to make it. 
and you're down and you're bailing water and you're bailing water and you're paddling like crazy and you just need somebody from the shore to scream out and go, you're going to make it, it's going to be okay. Kind of like Paul was in the boat and the ship was going to go down. Everybody's losing their mind thinking they're all going to die and they're going to start saying we're going to perish. And Paul says, you're not going to perish, you can't perish. You know why? Because I'm on the boat with you and I've got to go to Rome because I've got to stand in front of Caesar. Praise the Lord. That's what you've got to say. That's the mindset you've got to have is I'm going to make it through the storm. You know why? Because Jesus is on my boat. If you're on the airplane and all of a sudden it has problems and somebody says, we're all going to die. Say, no, we ain't all going to die because I'm on here. And God's not finished with me yet. I have fulfilled the calling on my life yet. The plane's going to be okay. You're going to make it through the storm. How many storms you already made it through? Praise the Lord. I've made it through so many storms. I'm thinking about this morning. I can't even think of all of them. Satan's been trying to kill me since I was a baby. He started off trying to kill me with asthma. Then I became a grown man. He started using motorcycles and trees to try to kill me. <laughs> I don't know what's up with that. I rode yesterday just briefly. I mean, 25 minutes. And I'm hurting. That's all it took. But why have you survived? Why have you survived? I ask myself the question, why have I, why have I survived? Because the enemy's been trying to kill me for years. The enemy's been trying to stop you for years. And let me tell you, you've been on Satan's hit list since you was a little bitty baby. I've been on Satan's hit list since I was a little bitty baby. You have been too. But why have you survived? I was on my couch this morning, like I said. I know it was 319 because I woke up and I was awake. And I was like, well, this ain't good because I need to be asleep. And I got up and I went in the kitchen because it's kind of like, here's the way I approach you. You can talk to God like this. You just say, Lord... You got something to say? Let's talk. If you don't quit, you don't start talking pretty quick. I'm going back to bed. <laughs> I went in there and it said 319. I got on the couch and I started thinking about all the storms I've made it through. And I started thinking about I don't deserve this. I don't deserve this life. I don't deserve my wife and my children. I don't deserve you guys. I don't deserve anything that I've got. But hey, I'll receive it all. I don't reserve, deserve forgiveness. I don't deserve mercy. I don't deserve grace, but I receive it all. Thank the Lord. Somebody fell asleep and fell out of the chair up there. <laughs> but Jesus rebukes the storm, which tells you Satan started the storm. Some people think God sent the storm. God wouldn't send a storm and then turn around and rebuke the own, own storm. He's, his own storm. That wouldn't make any sense. Satan, Satan started the storm. Jesus doesn't rebuke uh, natural elements. He's rebuking Satan. Satan started the storm. And, uh, hey, in spite of all his attacks, we're here. You're here. You're still here. Praise the Lord. I know you're valuable. And I know you're important. 
I know I'm valuable. I know I'm important. But I'll tell you one way how I can look at somebody and tell how valuable and how important they are. And it's not by how, how many Instagram followers you have or how many Facebook friends you have or how nice your car or your truck is. But I can tell how valuable you are by the size of the storm and how many storms you've been through. That just tells me that the assignment that God has for you in your life is really big. And Satan's trying to stop you from reaching it. He doesn't want you to go to the other side. He wants you to say, take me back, take me back, because the storm's raging, the boat's going to sink. Let's go back, let's go back to Egypt, and we'll just eat those cucumbers. And if you don't know your Bible, that made no sense to you. But the thing is, he wants you to come out of Egypt because he's got a whole pickle factory waiting for you. Praise the Lord. I do like pickles. Not bread and butter pickles. Those are gross. But the size of the storm, you should reckon the size of the storm should be like light bulb going off and the importance of the assignment that God has for my life. See, He's going to only attack what's valuable. He's going to only attack what's valuable. Is there any basketball fans up there? Who's your favorite basketball player? I mean, it's not a trick question. Okay, forget it. And I'm going back to when I was in high school. Larry Bird. Bird and Parrish and Ainge. And uh, Larry, who else is on that Celtics team? I know you got to remember you're older than me. Mikhail. Anyway, and then Michael Jordan came along, of course, but I like the Celtics. But you know what? If I'd have walked out on the court and said, hey, guys, I'm thinking to take it to the hoop, they, they would have just laughed. They wouldn't even have been, who cares? Look at it. Give him the ball. We'll gladly give you the ball. Because I'm not, I, I, I'm, I'm not a threat. I'm not a threat to those guys. They would have just packed me, stole it from me, slammed on me. But see, when you're, you're valuable, he's going, to attack, he's going to attack you. When you're a threat, are you following me? I hope you are. He always wants to attack what's valuable. And this may not make sense, but it will in a minute. The storm doesn't mean that, he, that he's left. Um, but the storm means that he's coming. The storm doesn't mean that he's left. The storm means that he's coming. In the fifth chapter of Mark, which is just a continuation of Mark, the fourth chapter, they made it to the other side. Now they're there. Then they came to the other side of the sea. To the country of the Gadarenes. Your Bible may say garrisons. And there's another translation of something else I can't remember. Basically, it's like, where did this happen? Well, it's around the Gardendale-Fultondale line. And some people say, no, it's in Fultondale. Some people say it's in Gardendale. Who cares where it happened? It happened. It was across the Sea of Galilee, and I know it was in the northwest corner of the Sea of Galilee. And the Sea of Galilee is not like a sea. At the widest part of the Sea of Galilee is 
um, eight miles wide, and the deepest water is 141 feet, if you want to know exactly what size the Sea of Galilee is. It's more like a really big lake, a really big lake. But they came to the other side of the sea, to the country there. And when they had come out of the boat, immediately there met him. Out of the tombs, a man with an unclean spirit, who had been dwelling among the tombs, and no one could bind him, not even with chains, because he had often been bound with shackles and chains, and the chains had been pulled apart by him, and the shackles broken in pieces, neither could anyone tame him. Nobody could tame him. He didn't need fairy dust Jesus. He didn't need cappuccinos, donuts, play a video, give a 10-minute sermon, take up tithes and offerings, shuttle them out and shuttle the next one in, Jesus. He didn't need the Jesus who doesn't preach the real gospel because we don't want to offend anybody. That's not the Jesus he needed. He needed the Red Sea parting Jesus, the Jordan River drying up Jesus, the paramedic, paralytic man laying on the mat getting healed Jesus, the fig tree drying up Jesus. That's the Jesus that he needed. He needed the one Jesus that spit in the mud and healed blind eyes, touched people's ears, healed their ears, turned their tongues loose. That's the Jesus that he needed, the real Jesus. Praise the Lord. That's the Jesus I need. I need the tongue loosening, storm calming Jesus. Not the Christmas and Easter Jesus. Christers. But the extended arm and the mighty hand Jesus. Amen. Praise the Lord. That's the God we serve. That's the Jesus that went to a cross and died for us. Amen. And always, night and day, he was in the mountains and in the tombs crying out, cutting himself with stones. But when he saw Jesus from afar, he ran and worshipped him. How did he know who he was? Because demons know who Jesus is. And he cried out with a loud voice and said, What have I to do with you, Jesus, Son of the Most High God? I implore you by God that you do not torment me. For he said, Come out of the man, you unclean spirit. Then he asked him, What's your name? And he answered, saying, My name is Legion, for we are many. If I'm not mistaken, a legion is 600 foot soldiers. So this fellow had a lot of demons. He also begged him earnestly that he would not send him out of the country. Let me stop right there for a moment. This guy's sitting there hanging out in the tombs. He's hanging out in these tombs. That's where they are trying to shackle him and chain him and keep him there. And you say, you can look at that and say, what is a demon-possessed man hanging out in tombs, getting shackled and chained, uh, got to do with me? Well, it's got a whole lot to do with you, and it's got a whole lot to do with me, because those tombs represent dead things, and don't be, don't, you can't say there's not some dead things in your life. Dead places in your life, hanging out with some people in places that you shouldn't be, watching some things on television, listening to some things with your ears, whatever it is, everybody's got, I wouldn't say everybody, but there's people who have some dead places in their life. 
And you need to get away from them. You need to get away from the tombs. You need to get away from the dead things. And it says here he's chained up. He's chained up. And I think about nobody's chained me up but myself. And nobody's chained you up but yourself. Because when you make decisions, bad decisions, and you get over into sin and things like that, you're just chaining yourself up. You're just chaining yourself up. Because Jesus come and set you free. He's the one that broke the shackles and broke the chains off of you. Amen. I think about our chains. Our chains and all our stupid things we do and just goofiness. And how we're not living God's best in our life. And like Mark said, somebody come in and pay off your stuff. A millionaire. We all, we all are millionaires in Christ because we have an inheritance that you can't put a price tag on. But many times we live like we're homeless. Because we're not receiving the inheritance. Amen. He says, my name's Legion. Jesus didn't ask him for information. He asked him for revelation because Jesus knew who he was. He knew who the man was, but the man didn't know who he was himself. He didn't know his name. He said, we're Legion. There's many of us. There's a bunch of us. And I said, well, how does that apply to you and me? Well, it applies to you. It does. Because there's not just a son to you. Most of you, all I know is the son to you. But I also know there's a Friday night you. And there's a guy that flips you off and traffic you. And they made me mad you. And get home and cuss my old lady you. And beat the kids you. Whatever it is you do you. There's a Monday through Saturday you. There's a many yous. There shouldn't be many yous. There should be one you. You should be the same going in, coming out, waking up, going to bed. Now I know we get mad. I know we make mistakes. I know those things happen. That's why there's this thing called mercy. But I'm talking about there shouldn't be many yous. Your kids shouldn't see one you at church and one, another you at the house. Your co-workers shouldn't see one you here and another you on Sunday morning. It's quiet. But you know what? As messed up as this dude was, cutting himself, breaking these chains, hanging out in dead places, many years, didn't stop Jesus from coming. It didn't stop him from coming. See, we think maybe he's left us, but the big storm means he's coming. It says this guy was up day and night crying out loud and cutting himself. You read the Bible many times, most times it says Jesus gets up early in the morning. He goes up on the mountain. If you've ever been on the lake, sound travels, and I think that Jesus was up early in the morning on the other side of the Sea of Galilee praying to God while this guy was up late at night crying out to God and cutting himself. And I think he heard him. And I think that, whoo, you've been crying out to the Lord too. And he's... You hear this morning for a reason because he's heard your cries. He's heard them. But the storm tried to stop him from getting there. So just because there's a storm doesn't mean he's left you. That means he's coming. This man's been crying out. And Jesus tells his disciples, hey boys, load up. We got a place to go. And the storm tries to keep him from getting there. I think the storm's got two meanings. One, the faith of the disciples. Two, we got somewhere to go. We got somewhere to go over there in 
Mark chapter 5. There's a man crying out. He needs me. And you've been crying out and you need him. He's here this morning. He is here this morning. He has come to set you free this morning. Mm. We cry out. We hurt our own selves, maybe not necessarily by cutting yourself, but you hurt yourself by pushing people away. And you end up pushing your loved ones away. And you end up getting upset and offended, mad, and the next thing you know, you're living among the tombs and you're pushing God away and you've got all these different types of addictions, addictions, whether it's drugs or alcohol, or just addicted to yourself and addicted to hobbies or addicted to the computer or just addicted to going shopping or addicted to going hunting, whatever it is. Just like priorities change. The only time I'd ever get up at 3 o'clock in the morning was to get in my truck and drive two hours to go kill a deer or a turkey. Not to get up and pray. But my priorities are changed. There ain't no daggum way I'm getting up at 3 o'clock drive nowhere to kill a deer. Not now. It don't, it's, my priorities have changed. It's too cold out there. It's a lot of work. And then I've got them hanging all over the walls and I don't even care. Who cares? At the end of the day, what is it? A dead deer. I bet God's going to really be impressed with that when I, He asked me what did I accomplish here on earth. <laughs> well, I killed about 150 deer. <laughs> but my priorities have changed. And I've noticed when my priorities started changing, the storms came with it. Because Satan doesn't want your priorities to change. I've seen all types of people that fit this description of this man, including myself. Rich people and poor people. Satan doesn't care about your net worth. He just wants you to be miserable. He just doesn't want you to fulfill the purpose in your life. Finally, somebody strong enough shows up here to subdue him. And I don't know where I left off. Here we go. Somebody finally shows up strong enough to subdue him. And you see here, they've been trying to chain him. And he says he's breaking the chains, breaking the chains. But finally, somebody shows up strong enough to subdue him. See, grace did what chains couldn't do. Grace always does Grace always does what religion can't do. See, when things are impossible with man, all things are possible with God. And man's been trying to subdue him for all these years, and they, weren't, they couldn't accomplish it. Then all of a sudden, Jesus is on the scene, and just in a few moments, the mission's accomplished through grace. Amen. So he says, <clears throat> the demons here are begging him, don't send them out of the country. Don't send them out of the country. Anytime demons have resided in a place and had been in a stronghold for a while, they don't want to turn loose that easy. I've seen that with my own eyes. They've done rooted down and nestled in, and they don't want to turn loose. So they said, if you're going to send us out of the man, but don't send us out of the country, send us into the swine. Now a large herd of swine was feeding there near in the mountains. 
So all the demons begged him, saying, Send us to the swine, that we may enter them. And at once Jesus gave them permission. Then to the unclean spirits went out and entered the swine. There was about 2,000. And the herd ran violently down the steep place into the sea, and they drowned in the sea. Pigs can't swim. Pigs can't swim. They can fly. I saw a book one time that said, Pigs can fly. But they can't swim. They can't swim. When Satan's got that stronghold, and he doesn't want to give it up. He doesn't want to give it up. Do you understand what I'm telling you? He doesn't want you to be the first man in your family to fulfill the calling on your life. He don't want you to be the first man or woman in your family that has a successful marriage. He doesn't want you to break the generational curse of divorce off of your life. He doesn't want you to do that. He wants you to stay shackled and chained and bound up. He doesn't want you to do that. He doesn't want you to be the first one to accomplish anything. He wants to keep you in that generational curse. But see, Jesus came and went to a cross and died. He became the curse for you and me on the tree. Amen. He doesn't want you to be the first one. And Jesus says, turn him loose. Turn him loose. And they're begging, don't send us out. Don't send us out of the country. Jesus says, turn him loose. Jesus says, I came through a lot to get here. You're going to turn him loose. I just came through a storm. Wind, waves, lightning, all kind of stuff. I came through all that for him, and you're going to turn him loose. Jesus came through all that for this one man. He went all the way across the sea through winds and waves, thunder and lightning to save this one man. And he says, you're going to turn him loose. But he's came a lot further for you and me. He actually came from heaven, humbled himself, became a man, was wrongfully accused, beat black and blue, tied to a whipping post, had to hide beat off of him, carried his own cross, nailed to it, died on the cross, went into the grave, defeated the grave, death, hell, and the grave, was resurrected again for you and me. That's how valuable we are. You're talking about coming through a storm. See, people don't know their net worth. You don't feel like you're worth anything because you've made mistakes and you've made failures and people look at you differently and look down on you and say, oh, she's just this or he's just that or they're just this. You know what? Tell them. Tell them this. I told them at the race yesterday. People got born again. I said, when people bring up your past, say, hey, why are you talking about a dead man? Because I'm born again. Don't talk about the old man. He's dead and buried. See, when you accept Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, guess what? Behold, the new has come. I'm a new creation. The old is gone. The windshield's a lot bigger than a rearview mirror. And where we're going forward is a lot more important than where we've been. Amen. These pigs drown. So those who fled, I mean, who fed the swine, fled. Those who fed the swine fled, and they told it in the city and in the country. And they went out to see what it is that happened. Then they came to Jesus and saw the one who had been demon-possessed and had the legion sitting and clothed and in his right mind, and they were afraid. See, I can't wrap my mind around that. I'd be excited. But they were afraid. They were afraid. That's, that's, that's how humans are. When there's a higher authority, 
it puts people in fear. And let me tell you, he was the higher authority. He didn't have to say, hey, I'm the higher authority. He was it. And those who saw it told him how it happened and how he had been demon-possessed and about the swine. And they began to plead with him to depart from their region. That's crazy. It seems that the people cared more about the pigs than they did this man. And the reason they cared more about the pigs and the reason this story is so amazing and awesome is because Jesus had been in Capernaum and preaching over there and he was in safe, his homeland. But then he goes across this sea into a Gentile region. Gentiles. Jews didn't have pigs. Jews didn't have hogs. In other words, he left the doors of the church and went out into the world to preach the gospel. That's what you and me are supposed to be doing. It's safe right here. It's real safe. we all on the same page. But when you go out in the world, it's nasty and it's dirty. It's the people who are going to tell you to take a hike when you ask them about Jesus or you invite them to church. They are. And do a lot worse than that. Go to other countries, mention the name of Jesus, they'll just chop your head off. But Jesus is over there in this country where they're raising these swine. It says about 2,000 of them. And in today's market, 2,000 of them would be between $1.6 million and $2 million. Not that if you sold them for that one sale, but what it takes to get it together. You understand? If you had to just start from scratch, that's a lot of value. So now those demons are going and attacking what's valuable to them. And what's valuable to them just ran off a cliff. And now they want Jesus to take a hike. Get out of here. Our swine are dead, and it's because of you. And we care more about our swine and making money than we do this man's life. If that doesn't describe the world, I don't know what does. If that doesn't describe the current uh, situation up there in Washington, I don't know what does. Because they care way more about padding that back pocket than they do any of us. People cared more about the pigs. And Satan will attack what you value. What you value. He's going to attack what you value. He's going to attack your business. Why? Because you value it. He's going to attack your health. Why? Because you value it. He's going to attack your wife, your husband, your sons and your daughters, your mama, your grandmama, your daddy and your granddaddy. Why? Because you value it. He'll attack your church. Why? Because you'll, you value it. That's what he attacks is what you value. I mean, if you didn't value it, you wouldn't care. Satan's always going to attack what you value. He'll use people to offend you. Those demons are saying, let me in the herd. Let me in the herd. I don't think they would have been that upset by him freeing that demon-possessed man. But when the demons got in the herd, then they were upset. It kind of reminds me of Job. When it says Satan, Jesus says, hey, where you been, boy? And he says, I've been searching the world, going to and fro, looking for somebody. He says, well, have you thought about my old boy Job? This is my own version. Have you thought about my old boy Job, he's a bad boy. He's savage. He's righteous and he's faithful. He says, yeah, but that's because you won't let me touch his herd. You won't let me touch his family. You won't let me touch his herd, his cattle, all his belongings, his body. Yeah, that's why he's faithful to you. See, Satan always wants to get a hold of your herd, which is what's valuable to you. Y'all better listen. 
This is straight from the throne, I'm telling you. Your values and your morals, your relationships, He's going to take what's valuable to you. Ultimately, He's after your relationship with God. And He will attack your relationship with your wife to get you mad and walk away from God. He will attack your health to say, why did God let this happen to me? To walk away from your relationship with God. He will attack your business and say, well, if God was really real and if He really cared about me, why would He let this happen to my business so you'll walk away from God? See, He's really after your relationship with God, but He uses people, He uses storms to steal it from you. Satan wants to keep you tied up. He wants to keep you tied up. He wants to keep you at the tomb. He wants to keep you there not knowing who you are. Not knowing that you have an inheritance. Not knowing how valuable you are to God. Not knowing your purpose, your plan. God says, I got a purpose for you. I got a plan for you. It's not to harm you. It's not to hurt you. But it's to prosper you and to give you hope in the future. And a great expectation of your future. Praise the Lord. Now I like this part, and we're we, we wrapping her up. When he got into the boat, he who had been demon-possessed begged him that he might be with him. However, Jesus did not permit him, but said to him, Go home to your friends and tell them what great things the Lord has done for you and how he has had compassion on you. Get this. This guy, get, he gets freed. Jesus freed him. Demon-possessed man. Cast the demons out. They're gone. He's freed. Now Jesus gets ready to leave, and the dude's sitting in his boat. He's like, I'm going with you. See, that's kind of like the church is over today, and I get ready to leave, and I jump in my truck, and somebody's sitting in my truck. is like, I'm going home with you. See, that's going to be kind of weird. <laughs> but Jesus said, you're not going with me. You're staying here. You're staying here. He said, see, I took this situation out of you, but I'm not taking you out of the situation. See, he gave the disciples the faith to get in the boat and go. And he's given this man the grace to stay. Because he says, I've taken the situation out of you, but I'm leaving you in the situation because I need you to go back and deliver other people out of the situation. Man, that's so good. I can't tell you how good it felt saying it. I don't even feel my legs right now. Some people think that's the craziest thing they've ever heard, but try it. And he departed and began to proclaim into Capitalists all that Jesus had done for him. Decapolis is ten cities. Now this is, this is interesting to me right here. He departed and began to proclaim it in Decapolis. All that Jesus had done for him. Jesus said, I'm taking it out of you, but I ain't taking you out of it. Now you go back and you help others. You tell other people what Jesus has done for you and how he's delivered you. And then this man goes back. That's the first man that preached to the Gentiles right there. Now Peter's the first one that preached the full gospel to the Gentiles. He's the first one that said, whoa, hey, looky here. This Holy Spirit thing, it's for them too. Who would have thunk it? But this man right here is the first one that said, hey, 
told the Gentiles about Jesus. He's like a missionary to these ten cities. Never seen that before. Till about 3.30 this morning. You just keep reading Scripture and He just shows you new things every time. The demons say, don't make us leave. And the man says, don't make me stay. Don't make me stay. You ever been dropped off at the babysitter's? And you're like, don't make me, don't make me stay. Yeah, it's kind of like that. My mom, my, my grandma would take me home. I'd be like, don't make me stay. Take me back with you, Granny. But to go tell them, to go tell them, to go tell them, that's what we're supposed to be doing. Do you see yourself in this man right here who's hanging out in the tombs, chained and shackled, been set free? Now we're going to go tell them? Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Anna, come on up. Whoever you want to come with you. Come by yourself if you want, or I can get up here and sing with you. I asked him to sing this song this morning. We sang it earlier. It's who I am. Who I am. I'm a child of God. I've been set free. I'm valuable. He came all the way across that sea of Galilee in a storm for me. He went all the way to the cross for me. That's how valuable I am. That's how valuable you are. Praise the Lord. He loves you more than a bird. And the Bible says he really loves birds. You survived it. You survived the storm. You survived the storm. I guess here's the question this morning. As I reflect back through the scripture, he said this man was breaking chains. They couldn't chain him. He'd break them. And Jesus came over there looking for a chain breaker. He likes chain breakers. I guess the question is this morning, am I going to be a chain breaker? And am I going to be used? Am I willing to surrender my life, what's left of it, to be used by Jesus? I remember the day I surrendered my life to Him. Greatest day of my life. It's been good ever since. Storms have come, sure. But I always knew during the storm, I have nothing to worry about because Jesus is in the boat with me. Are you a chain breaker? Have you been bound? Are you ready to break some chains? Are you ready for a new beginning? Are you ready for a start? See, here's the deal. I don't think anybody in here doesn't know who they are because I look around. I think I know everybody. But I think a lot of times we forget who we are. You forget who you are. You forget how valuable you are. You forget you're a child of God. And I hope this message this morning has reminded you of how valuable you are and who you are in Christ. And I hope this song we're fixing to sing has a, this means more to you. And as always, 
Let's stand up. As always, you're free to move around as you 